Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at LSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. In this episode, I'm speaking with Amy Vetter, CPA, about advisory services. Amy is the CEO of the B3 Method Institute, a speaker, author, and a member of the Ohio Society of CPAs Executive Board. We discussed how firms go about becoming more involved in advisory services, the growth opportunities in the space, how to be more strategic when it comes to offering these services, and much more. Amy will present on these topics during a webinar called The Cherished Advisor, The Simple Sales Process, covering a collaborative selling model to create value for potential clients and a successful long-term business. She will also present at the fall virtual accounting shows on the topic, Four Steps to Building Your Client Advisory Services Practice with Passion and Purpose. You can register for both at the link in our show notes or by going to my.ohiocpa.com. Amy and I kicked off the conversation talking about how advisory and consultative services have evolved for firms in recent years. Here's what she had to say. For a long time, this was confused with what was called write-up services. And, you know, if you were doing any kind of data entry or bookkeeping to get the tax return done, that was getting mistaken for what advisory services is. And really the evolution of that has been technology and technology coming into play where it's taking a lot of the non-value added time that we spend trying to get the data into the system and giving us the space that we need in order to spend more time with our clients learning about their business, but that also changes the expectation of the client as technology gets better, as more information surfaces to them, they've got more questions. They want to understand why numbers are showing up the way that they are, or how do they achieve certain goals? And even the things that we've seen in the past year with COVID where, you know, PPP came along and they didn't understand the impacts of different decisions they were making with it or, you know, what they really needed for their business to be proactive to just survive during this time. What they needed was our expertise, not necessarily what would have been considered write-up. And advisory services is spending that time with your clients Uh, listening to their pain points, trying to understand their business, not only from a financial level, but an operational level so that you can bring their numbers to life and not only help them better understand what's driving the results that they have, but also helping them into the future. And that's the fun part. It's not just about creating the tax return. And Amy, you mentioned, you know, taking the time to to spend with your clients to really understand the business. And that makes me wonder, how should firms go about, you know, setting up this strategy if they do want to get more involved in advisory services? Yeah, so it really does take an entrepreneurial mindset that it, it isn't, you know, I, I, I consult with lots of firms 
uh, trying to help them with transforming their practices or even creating the service line. And I think the mistake that I see over and over again is just letting it happen organically um, or thinking that you can do the service line just like you do audit or tax. And it really does take more foundational thinking about the clients that you want to attract, how you're going to deliver the services. And in order to make money at this service, you really do need to think about how you're going to process work, who is going to actually be the one speaking to the clients versus doing the work and thinking about the process differently than maybe in other service lines where it's more of a one-to-one -one relationship. But in this sense, when you are putting together a plan with this, you're using technology and automating the work, some of the work. Um, you're using people that like to do data entry and maybe checking between the technology that you're using to make sure that the data is coming in accurately, but also who's gonna be the ones having the conversation with the client and understanding that client at a deeper level. And it really does take a plan. And really it's not, it's an investment of time in putting together a plan that is gonna scale you into the future. So, you know, I talk about it a lot with my clients. It's like trying to build a house without a foundation that a lot of times, you know, people will just run with the service and anyone that calls, they take that as a client and maybe they're, you know, competing on price and they find very quickly that they're not making money because they haven't put that foundational piece into their practice to make sure that they can scale and grow without having to add expense for every single client that you bring on or having the pro process be inefficient. And there is a way to do this successfully, but you do have to put in the time and investment in really thinking through your plan and then sticking with it as well as you go through the process. And you mentioned some, some firms making the mistake that maybe they just think that this will happen organically without being more purposeful. Is this something that you're seeing a shift? Do you think more firms are realizing, hey, we do have to be a lot more strategic and intentional in this space? Or do you think that's still to come? Uh, I think a lot of firms at this point, and you know, those are the firms that are, you know, I'm working with, is that they did get into the space because you know, the good part is that this has been something that we've been talking in the profession about for so long. The technology's come a long way. Um, there's a need for it. The clients are asking for it. They're, they're asking not necessarily for you to do the work for them, but for your advice. And so we get into the service line, basically trying to mimic another service line that we already have in the firm or even compare try to use the same types of ways of evaluating the service, like with utilization rates and, and things like that, that don't really work in advisory services. It's a totally different type of service. And, you know, the problem is we are a very checklist driven profession. Like those are the ways we've learned to do audit and we've learned to do tax and so forth. But this type of practice is very entrepreneurial that not 
every advisory practice is not the same. And, you know, it is really about finding your niche and finding, you know, what you're passionate about and the type of clients you want to work with. But unfortunately, a lot of people start this off and say, I want to do advisory services. So it's just kind of throwing everything at the wall and seeing who comes and you end up taking on clients that without any kind of client acceptance guidelines or who you want to sell to or what is the type of services you want to sell and so forth. And so all the services are all over the place. Everybody's using different technology. There's no centralized control on how this service is being delivered, which makes it very inefficient. And then the complaint is I'm not making money or, you know, over and over again, I hear, I don't like my clients. <laughs> so, um, you know, because there wasn't really an intention of how I market myself and who do I want to attract to my practice. And I think because, you know, I feel with, you know, the thousands of accountants I've worked with during my profession, this is a very heart driven profession. We want to really help our clients. Everyone comes from a good place and it's hard for us to turn someone away. It's hard for us to actually think about who are those clients we want to work with and who are those clients we don't want to work with and why and set, you know, business parameters of the type of clients that we want to take in. But the problem is when the services started, it's like, I want to grow this. And I might be looking at you know, I, my goal is to have a hundred clients instead of thinking about what is my profitability goals that I'm looking at and what kind of clients would actually be able to hit those goals and not taking every client that comes in and having the right interview process during the sales process to make sure that they are a good fit for your skill set, the kind of services you want to offer and the kind of technology stack that you want to have in your business. But that, that foundational work a lot of times is not done. And then you've got to undo what you started when you start seeing that everybody's working too hard and not making enough money. But there is a way to make money at this practice, but it does take that effort and time to put in to make sure you're really thinking through how you want that practice to run and who you want to market to. And for those that are being really intentional and are putting in the time and effort to grow this practice, what growth opportunities do they have? Well, the exciting part is that they get up every morning and are excited to work with the clients that they have uh, because they feel valued by those clients. And I think a lot of times you know, the discussion that I have over and over again is about not feeling valued because someone doesn't pay your bill or, um, you know, you did something extra for them and they didn't know that they were going to be charged extra and then won't pay for the extra fee. And there's this uh, friction that starts being created of feeling not appreciated when it's really these business discussions that we need to get really comfortable with having that we're not necessarily taught to do. And so the people that actually take the time to go through training and to, to be coached through this process, they can rework the business that they have or even start a practice from scratch 
but do it in a way that is really intentional, but it's hard. It's, you know, I, the clients that I work with, you know, over and over, we just have to keep repeating things of this is why we're saying no to this type of client, or this is why we want to work with these clients and being really clear on it. Because what happens is through this process, you really want to create a value message of what is it that you're trying to create for your client? Like, what is it that they're going to get out of working with you? What makes it better than them just doing it on their own? So coming up with that value proposition of, you know, the promise that you're making to clients means that you have to think about how you deliver your services different. And you're trying to attract a certain type of client that comes in the door that believes in that promise that you're bringing them. And then when you actually are delivering things in a more efficient way, and you've been trained properly on technology and you're not using, you know, a million different types of tech that, that you're very, you know, you've tested out the right technology to use for the type of clients that you want in your business and have gone through the right process to do that. And you're really clear on your tech stack that gives you the space to actually spend time with your clients and not feel rushed and not feel like you don't have enough time to spend with them. And they feel cherished. They feel valued as your client as well. And I think that's the biggest difference that I see when these practices turn around is everyone stops getting so stressed out on a daily basis. You're better able to manage your workload. You have better expectations with the client. The client is happier because they know what they're going to be charged every month and they know you care. They know that you are actually spending the time with them that they need from an expert like you to help them in their business to meet the goals that they have. And that to me, you know, besides being more profitable, which is obviously, you know, very important, but, you know, a lot of what I talk about is work-life harmony. And when you can properly, you know, create space in your life where work isn't taking over your life, that a lot of people create these businesses so that they do have a better quality of life, but then find themselves working hard, you know, just as hard or harder than they were working before, when you can get that space back in your life again, your energy changes, you're more excited every day when you come to work and the energy that you create with your clients shows the passion that you have for the work that you're doing with them. Amy, you've, you've mentioned strategy and really being intentional uh, with this approach to, to building advisory practices. What other things should firms consider when they have decided that they want to dedicate this time and this space into growing this area? I think it's important that you have a leader um, that is at a partner level. So sometimes what happens is that uh, you may, you know, which there's lots of leadership opportunities for managers to come into a practice like this. So it's important to have a manager level that's, that's leading the team, but there needs to be an owner that's a partner that believes in this, that understands the importance to the firm overall, because there's a lot of decisions that have to be made at the partner level 
of what you're going to invest in, what kind of staff you're going to hire, and also what, what kind of engagements you take. For instance, there's a lot of times where you have to make decisions. Do you want to take them as an audit client or do you want to take them as an advisory services client? And you can't take them as both. So you need to think through where is the better opportunity for the firm in total. Um, so that's really important, you know, that there is a leader that's a partner. And also from a partner level, really understanding how internal referrals are going to work from a compensation perspective. So, you know, this is something that people don't like to talk about a lot, but, you know, I see this fail a lot when the compensation structure for partners hasn't been figured out. So if I'm going to take a tax client and refer it in for advisory services, how is each partner comp for that to make sure that the overall firm, the, the firm overall is winning, you know, that this isn't looked at from an individual book of business anymore, that it's looked as a total entity doing the right thing for the client. Um, and the total firm benefits because there's more revenue coming through versus people trying to keep their book of business within one spot. So I do think that it's very important that you think about it from a partnership level of how these service lines are tracked in a firm and how you're going to compensate, you know, internal referrals, because really you know, most tax clients, if you've got a good tax base, can be referred for advisory services because that only enhances, you know, the loyalty to the firm. And what happens is then, you know, if you're staying in touch with the client all year long through advisory services and helping them with their business, tax should be really easy at that point, you know, when it's time to do their tax return because, you know, the right people have been involved all year round you're more on a subscription billing basis versus, you know, having ups and downs in your revenue as a firm. So there's so many benefits to doing it, but you really do have to think through, you know, from a leadership perspective, all the way to the type of staff that you're going to hire, because in this practice, it's great to have CPAs as part of the practice, but you don't have to either. You can have bookkeepers, um, that are doing the data entry piece that, that are not CPAs. You can have controllers and CFOs that have been more in the corporate space and hiring them in to be that consultative person to your clients because they've been there, they've done that, they've worked in a corporate environment. And so if you're gonna sell fractional CFO services and fractional controllership services, you might wanna change up your makeup of your job descriptions and who you're gonna hire. And all of these things are the things that we work through when we put together a strategy for turning around this type of practice so that things are priced right, you've got the right skills in place and you've thought about from a leadership perspective who's going to own it and how does the firm support it on the other hand what mistakes do you see firms making when they're they're growing or running their advisory practice i know we've talked about not being intentional enough thinking that it'll just it'll just happen organically but are there other mistakes that you've seen or heard of firms making 
Sure. I, I see a lot of mistakes that happen. Um, one of them being discounting your price, uh, that you undervalue you, the service um, because someone might, you know, bulk at the price or they can say they can get it cheaper down the street. And to me, um, you know, it's really important that you have a defined pricing structure and different packages to offer but that you value yourself, that you value what the service is. And every time that you don't value yourself and you discount your price, you know, you're never happy because at the whole time you can see you're not making enough money that you feel taken advantage of. So if it starts off that way, where a client just doesn't value accounting the way that they should and the way that you wanna deliver services, they're just not a fit for what you're doing. And it's okay to not take every client or, you know, a lot of times I'll hear, you know, well, I'm afraid to not take that client because they'll go to that firm down the street. It really doesn't matter because if they were never a good fit for your firm, why would you want them in there? Because it is always important to make sure that you're, you know, being valued for the expertise that you have, but also that you're protecting the culture of your firm too, and that you're bringing in the right types of clients. So like I said, I think from a heart center place, we take these clients in because we feel bad or we feel bad saying no, or, or we feel like we have to discount, but, but we don't. Um, it, we need to value our services and what we have to offer. So that's, that's one you know thing that I see a lot um, going down the wrong path. Secondly, um, is not really thinking through the technology. And, you know, I go in all the time or coach clients and see that, you know, they've got way too many licenses of software and they'll say, well, that's the software my client wants to use. Well, you know, I, I liken it a lot to, you know, when you hire a contractor in your home, let's say you want your house painted you don't tell them the specific brand you want them to use. You're trusting them as an expert to come in and use the type of paint that would be the right kind of paint for your house. And so it's the same thing when someone comes to an advisor, an accountant on services like this, they want to feel like you have an expertise level that they can just kind of take a deep breath and know that you're on top of this, that you realize uh, you know, what the best technology is for them to use, that you're demonstrating that. And if you don't have, you know, that technology stack, you know, in place that you've defined for your practice, what happens is that every client that comes in that has a different technology or has a different process, it throws off your process and then you make less money because people aren't as trained on that software. So taking the time to really think through your tech stack is really important and understanding the technology that the industry that you're specializing in or want to work in uses as well, that you're trained on that, that you're staying on top of it, you know how information flows so that you don't miss anything. And thirdly, I think it's just, you know, still where we sometimes feel like we have to be an expert even if we get asked a question that we don't know. And so sometimes we don't answer the phone or 
um, return a call because we're afraid, you know, we might get asked something we don't know. And the thing about advisory services is that's the fun thing is that not, you know, we're probably not going to know a lot of the answers right off the bat, but it's really in how we respond is saying, you know what, let me get back to you on that by four o'clock tomorrow and you go do the research. And the thing is with a client is they're not absolutely expecting an answer right away. What they want is someone at their fingertips that's an expert that they know that if you go research the answer, it will be the right answer coming back to them. So it's giving yourself that confidence that you don't have to have every answer right away, that you can take the time to go research as long as you're being responsive and giving that client perspective on when to expect an answer, then they'll be fine 99% of the time to allow you to make sure that they're getting the answer that they need. And we talked about the, the benefits for those and the growth opportunities for those that are investing in their advisory practice. What do you think the, the future of advisory is for the profession? Well, it's been shown over and over through um, surveys done by all the big firms um, in the profession and so forth that, you know, it really used to be the majority of revenue was coming from audit services. And that's just not the case anymore, that a big chunk of revenue in firms um, and solo practices are advisory services. And I do believe that you know, we're going to continue to see the growth of the service because of technology, because technology surfaces more information to our clients, which creates more questions and gives us actually the ability to really utilize our expertise in ways that maybe we haven't before because our clients want our knowledge. And that's really the gift of technology. And so the further technology comes along, it's going to be able to duplicate so much of the compliance work that we do that it's important that we're not just holding on to that, saying that will be forever, that we are, you know, being very vulnerable to the fact that, you know, our profession is changing and it's changing rapidly. And we've seen that in the past year. And the most important thing to our clients is having us as their partner, their strategic partner, someone that can, can help them through their business. They're not a numbers person. They don't have our expertise and they want to think, you know, strategically, but they need that partner that has that financial expertise that they don't have. And so really putting your head in the sand about this doesn't mean it's going to go away just because we're busy right now. You know, there's been a lot of, you know, work because of COVID and so forth that is generated. That is not going to go away. Um, but what is going to keep growing is our clients need for more of our time. And so with that, I definitely think, you know, keeping an open mind and not avoiding this, that you're making the time, this is a perfect time to start working on a plan uh, as you've come out of busy season before another one starts 
is to step back from everything we've been through and say what worked, what didn't work, what should we do different? What are our clients needing from us? Asking the question of our clients what they need and really planning right now so that we can scale, that it's not hair on fire when we go through something like this in COVID, that we've got a stable process in order to set that foundation in our practice so that no matter what happens, that we've got the right automation and skill set to be there for our clients. Thank you to Amy for joining us to talk more about the advantages of offering advisory services. You can hear more from Amy during the upcoming webinar, The Cherished Advisor, The Simple Sales Process, and at the fall virtual accounting shows on the topic, Four Steps to Building Your Client Advisory Services Practice with Passion and Purpose. Register for both at the link in our show notes or by going to my.ohiocpa.com. And please rate and review us on whatever podcast app you're using. We love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.